0: Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Part two tonight of A Better You. Everybody say, I want to be better. Everybody say, I want to be better. God's not finished with you. Last week we talked about pressing forward. You gotta keep pushing. You gotta keep pushing. And you gotta be positive towards yourself. You've got to absolutely see yourself as being belonging here. You belong in God's house. You belong with God's people. You belong to be saved. Amen? Amen. This is where you belong. Tonight we're gonna study how to develop better relationships and how to form better habits. Amen, how to form better habits. Just two little old points tonight, two little principles we're going to talk about. A young man once came to Socrates, the great teacher, and said, Socrates, will you be my instructor and my mentor? Socrates told the young man to follow him and turned and walked to the ocean. The young man followed him to the sea and they kept walking until the water was touching their lips. They were almost over their head. And Socrates turned around and took the man with both hands and pushed him under the water. The young man, wanting to be compliant student stayed there for a while, but soon began to spit and sputter and thrash about trying to get air. And all the while, Socrates held him under. Soon the young man became blowing large bubbles and thrashing about wildly as he possibly could. And finally, Socrates took his hands off of him, and he surfaced and spit out all kinds of water, gasping for air. And he said, Master, why did you do that? And Socrates looked at him and said, When you want to learn as much as you wanted to breathe. I'll be your teacher. True story. Now, I don't like Socrates' methods. He was a sadist. But I do love to teach to people who want to learn more of the Word of God daily. And you have showed up tonight, which means you want to learn something better about the kingdom of God. I feel good about tonight. Everybody says the Lord's here. And He is. (laughs) I've told this illustration several times. I never get tired of telling it. There's a park on the beautiful island of Bermuda And there's a rock hanging on a rope with a large sign beside it. The sign reads weather station. And it says check the rock. If it's wet, it's raining. If it's moving, it's windy. If you can't see it, it's foggy. And if it's gone, it's a hurricane. (laughs) Check the rock. Today I checked the rock before I came to church. Or better yet, to use the language of the Apostle Peter, the stone, the cornerstone that was cast away that the builders rejected has become the, the stone that we all build our lives on. He said he would be here for us tonight. And I'm about to give you something really good here. Are you ready? My first point's going to be really, really good. You ready? Our lives get better when we get better. Arnold Palmer used to say, the better I play golf, the luckier I get. That's true. Our lives get better when we get better. Matthew 12 says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Poor looking fruit tree, healthy looking fruit tree. What do you want? I have a dear friend in Fort Worth, Pastor Ron Lyles, and he's gone through deep tragedy the last couple of months, but he still has such a unique sense of humor. When he comes down every now and then to play golf with me, and it's very rare now because we just dream about it now instead of playing it. We used to be good. In fact, the older we get, the better we were. You know what I'm saying? But he'll come down and play, and boy, he, man, he's sharp. And, and the guys that play with him, they know he's just as sharp as a tack. And his, his motto is, if you look good, you play good. So, so he breaks 100 when he looks good. <laughs> and he shoots over 100 when he doesn't dress good. I have talked to fruit tree owners and discovered if they want fruit to be good, They've got to make sure the trees are good. See, our lives get better when we get better. And one of the keys to becoming a better you, are you ready, is to develop better relationships. You must develop better relationships. My mom used to have a statement. Son, she said if you run with dogs, you heard that before, you have a mama too? You're going to get fleas. Mom used to say that. Your life will get better when your relationships get better. Robert Putnam is a neat writer. He wrote a book which he entitled Bowling Alone. (laughs) He said he took the title from the fact that while more people than ever are bowling now, fewer are doing it in leagues. There has been a steady decline of civic involvement among people, and you know it's true. Neighborhood relationships are down. And participation in volunteer and religious organizations are down. Putnam found that the level of community in America is at the lowest point of our lifetimes. Therapist Will Miller, who wrote Refrigerator Rights, another book, kind of similar to Bowling Alone, said said a similar theme. He says we need people around us who have what he calls in our home refrigerator rights. In other words... Someone that knows me well enough that can go to my freezer in the garage and pull out Bluebell without asking me for the right to do that. You better know me real well, you hear me? (laughs) As someone who can come into your house and feel comfortable to go to your refrigerator to make a sandwich, to go to your uh, cupboard and make a a can of soup without your permission. Miller argues that too many Americans suffer mentally, mentally, And emotionally, because they have too few of these kind of close relationships. He's right. Studies show that our society is suffering from a lack of involvement with one another. And not only is our society suffering, so are we as individuals. I'll tell you one thing that just bugs the fire out of me. You want me to tell you what it is? When we say amen, some of you run faster than the bullet Bob Hayes used to run for the Dallas Cowboys. Out that door, you can't wait to be the first car to get your car started, to get out of here. Folks, we're not showing the latest movie here. We're worshiping the Jesus that's always been around here. And I think, I really do think this. I think it's it's apropos that if you're going to love him whom you haven't seen, you need to love people around here whom you have seen. Because if you don't love people that you have seen, you can't say you love him who you haven't seen. It's all right to talk to somebody. We'll say, well, Pastor, you know, I'm about 140 IQ. Well, maybe you can help some of us 80 IQs. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we need some people around here to just stay and talk a little bit, drink a little cup of coffee, act like you belong around here. Come on, we need to get involved with people around the Church of the Living God. One day we're going to need each other like we've never needed each other in our life, and it's getting closer than you can imagine. Come on, clap your hands right now. That's good stuff. Sometimes back, a team headed by a Harvard social scientist tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Here's what this team found. People with the fewest personal relationships were three times more likely to die earlier than those with strong relational connections. Three times. In fact, I love this. People with bad health habits, such as smoking and poor eating habits and obesity or alcohol use, but had strong social ties, lived significantly longer Than people who had great health habits but were isolated. I'm not saying it's true everywhere, but 7,000 people were tested and it's what came up. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends (laughs) than to eat broccoli all by yourself. Come on, reach over and give somebody a high five. Say, I need you in my life. Come on, come on, tell somebody. Give them a high five. I need you in my life. We need one another. (laughs) Eat Twinkies. Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong to no groups but decide to join a group, you cut your risk in half of dying over the next year. You cut your risk in half. You'll probably live through the year. People who need people, Barbara Streisand said, are the luckiest people in the world. Now we need to celebrate differences. Look at your neighbor and say, you're so different than me. Say it right now. Just say it. You're nothing like me. I love this. Let's get in the fuss. You're nothing like me. People are different even in a body of, of Christ, even in the church. Paul spoke about it when he said, We're all members in particular, but some are hands and some are feet and some are ears and some are eyes. We all make up different parts of the body. But can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of thee, or the foot to the ear, I have no need of thee? No, no, no. We all need one another. Even in our spiritual gifts, one is given the utterance of wisdom in our church. One's given the utterance of knowledge. To another is the spirit of faith. To another are the gifts of healing. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Those gifts are diverse. Did you know that men and women hear the gospel through two different sets of ears? Did you know that? Women don't hear the same gospel that men hear. Here, here we can be guilty of overgeneralizing, but let me, let, just think with me for just a moment if you don't mind. If the experts are right, men think competitively. Is that right? Is that right? Whereas women think more in terms of relationally. What does that say about the life of a church? It might be that men respond more positively to a word of challenge, the setting of goals, the building of bigger and better churches, while women might more be concerned with improving the life of the church that we already have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More of creating community than setting goals and accepting challenges. Each of us listens to the gospel through a unique set of ears. Now listen to me. Truth. Left-brained people... Hear the gospel differently than right brain people. The way we think may be determined by which side of the brain is dominant, scientists tell us. Left brain dominant people are more literal, they're more fact oriented, they're much more opinionated, and they're more verbal. Whereas right brain people are more creative, more emotional, more visual. Left brain people want the sermon to be doctrinally sound. He or she wants the pastor to get all the facts right. Not so with right brain people. The right brain people want the pastor to tell some good stories, insert some humor, and be warm and accepting. Did you know we have all those kinds of persons in this church? People brought up in rural environment look for different things in a church than people that are brought up in an urban environment. People brought up very strict look for different things than people who are raised permissively. Younger folks have different agenda than those late in their years. Churches are amazingly diverse, but here's what you, we need to see. My job ain't easy. Somebody said, boy, I get up there and do that. Come on, come on, come on. This is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life. And if I don't have the presence of God in my life, I can't preach to everybody. But there's something about the anointing that destroys the yoke. And all of our ears start hearing the same gospel. The same truth. Because we're all different. We're all not alike. But thank God. God speaks to all of us through the word of God. Would you clap your hands and rejoice to that. See a certain amount. Of diversity has to be good. One does not have to be my clone. To be my brother. You just kind of have to. Act like me a little bit and say, you know, we come from the same skillet. But you don't have to look like me and act like me to be my brother. You got your own personality, your own way. But what I'm trying to say is that we all fit in this thing called the body of Christ. We must learn to develop relationships in our life. However, whatever's in a person's life is what they will bring to the relationship. If a person has a poor self-image, that's what they'll bring to the relationship. If a person has a history of strife, that's what they'll bring to the relationship. If a person has this great big old ego, or he's born with narcissistic traits, maybe he likes to go to the pond and see himself as a reflectant of himself and say, whoo, the prettiest thing I've seen in a week. (laughs) He's gonna bring that to a relationship. If a person's hurt's, are not healed, conflict, conflicts, and unresolved issues. That's what they're going to bring to relationship. I've talked to our staff many times about making a goal to have uncomplicated relationships. As a pastoral team, we can't carry around complications in our life. I can't have a staff member come to me and say, hmm. Man, that sister was lucky. She said something to me that just ticked me off and got my goat and bugged me. Oh. I can't, I can't pastor that. Not in the staff. I can pastor that in you, but not in this staff. Because you're going to go home and tell your wife or your husband about that, not me. But I can't handle that in the staff. We try to have uncomplicated relationships the poor self-image, the unhealed hurts, the stored up anger, the lingering resentment, the hypersensitivity. Those are things that complicate relationships and you just can't have them. I can't bring that stuff to this pulpit and give you folks a dictate from God that is meaningful and right in the sight of God. I must have all that stuff taken out of me. I must be healed of that. I must be washed of that. I must be cleansed of that so I can stand here as a representative of heaven. No, I'm not heaven. I'm not him. I just represent him. But I've got to stand here with a clean hands and a pure heart. And I've got to preach and tell you that you can improve relationships in your life. And God wants you to have good relationships with other people in the house of God. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. You've got to have that. You need that in your life. That's how you become a better you relationships matter, say it, relationships matter in fact in the long run that's all we're going to have when life is over is relationship the only thing that remains is relationship I've had so many pastors so many elderly pastors when I was just a young man tell me son said when you get too old that that church is going to, one day that church is going to ask you to leave and I, I hope you're not looking at me like that now because I feel young <laughs> but I, I know that someday I'll get there I know that and I know someday I'll get my tooth behind my eye teeth and can't see what I'm saying and I'll say it wrong and somebody will get offended somebody will get hurt somebody will have pain and they'll say it's time to ease the pastor out and put him in a stall and just come by and pet his head every now and then and say good job you, you were great but I'm going to tell you something I'm going to tell you something They said, if you have relationships, you're the luckiest man in the world. Come on, people. You can't do this by yourself. No man is an island. No man stands alone. No man stands alone. We need one another. Come on, we need one another. We need each other. I don't care how quiet you are. I don't care how how, how loud you are. I don't care how fast you talk, how slow you talk. I don't care if you made it through college, you got a master's, a doctorate degree, or you got an eighth grade, and you just made tons of money because you had street smart. It doesn't matter. We're all under the same canopy. It's called the blood of Jesus around here. Amen. It don't matter what what bracket you came out of, it don't matter what tribe you came out of, it don't matter what color you are, it don't matter what your parents were, it don't matter how bad they were, how good they were, we're all under the same canopy here. We're under the blood of Jesus Christ. And people across this church matter. And there's folks that come to first service on Sunday and second service on Sunday and third service on Sunday. And we never know each other. We never know that those people go to church. But I'm telling you, this is a company of believers that we all need Jesus in our life. But we all need one another in our life. Come on, somebody stand on your feet and clap your hands and say, yes, sir. I buy that, pastor. I take that into my heart. I need my church. I need my brothers. I need my sisters. Someone has to be bigger than the break to mend relationships when families go sideways. Are you that big person? Are you the person that can mend the breaks or do you, do you try to make the break larger? If someone you care about hurts you, make an attempt to heal the relationship as quickly as possible, even if you're not at fault. Gilbert and Sullivan are two of the great names in musical theater. Their operetta have thrilled millions, but for years they were estranged from one another. Oh, they still collaborated, but they did it by mail. Gilbert would send Sullivan the lyrics for the operetta, and he'd send it by mail, and Sullivan would get the lyrics, and he would put the music to it and send it back to Gilbert. Gilbert. And when they had had an opening night of one of their performances, they'd come out from, the others, from both sides of the stage and they'd never come to the middle. One would bow over here on this side and one on this side. And they'd bow to the audience and they'd never look at the other one. And you know what? It was over. They had a falling out over the purchase of a new carpet in one of their theaters and they never settled that grudge. Can you imagine men that produced that kind of music and that kind of opera could have a fight over the color of carpet? But It happens. It happens. Let me, de- let me declare something to you right now. There's a demon in hell right now that has our name on his hand. And he wants to destroy the church and wants to take you away from the body of Christ. He really does. And any way he can, any way he can, he will do that. What you need to determine in your life is you're going to stay connected to the church. You're going to stay connected to the kingdom of God. Not because I'm the pastor here, but because this church is a church that loves God and loves people. And whether I am preaching or whether anybody else is preaching, we need to understand that there's a connect factor here. Come on, there's a connect factor here. There's a connect factor here, and we all need each other because we all make up the body of Christ. We all make up the body of Christ. Amen. Max Licata. Wrote a book called In the Grip of Grace. I love that book. He told a story. When he was a little boy, he said they used to get out in the, in the, in the front street every afternoon. They'd play football in the streets. He said they'd team up and said sometimes the bigger boys would choose the bigger boys and they could outrun the little boys and, and they could beat us. But he said there was a, a real enthusiastic dad in the neighborhood that always came out. Every day when we came out, he would come out and play with us. And the enthusiastic dad would take the team that was losing and they couldn't stop the enthusiastic dad. He was bigger, better, and larger than all of them. And he said, sometimes we need to understand that we need our father in our huddle. And our father needs to rally us and make us know that we need each other. And so I'm looking to Jesus tonight. I'm saying, Lord, we need you in our huddle. We need you in our huddle. Folks, it's been a long summer already because it's hot. It's hot. And I would have to go on vacation in San Diego where it was cool. And just about every other day, not every day because that would be telling a story, but about every every third day or so, I look and see what the temperature is in San Diego. And yesterday it was 68. And I said to myself, Lord, why? Why do you do that? People in San Diego don't have a clue about Jesus like we do here in Austin. Why don't you? will not you bring that wind over here and let us have 68 right here in the middle of summer. You know what many of you would think? Well, the Lord's coming. My Lord is 68 degrees. It's fixing the snow. Let it snow. Wouldn't that be fun to have snow in July in Austin? Wouldn't that be fun? I'm just preaching now. I'm just acting silly right now, but I'm telling you folks, It's a hot day in Austin, Texas, and we get to come to a cool church, and we get to come to a place where the love of the Lord is present, and the love of God is spread in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Isn't it neat to have a church like this to come to? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I need you in my life. I love you, and I want a relationship with our families together. Come on, tell somebody right now. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. You can develop better relationships simply by keeping things out of your heart. Every pastor, every leader, every boss, every CEO, every manager, everyone who has tried to establish anything positive and permanent knows the feeling of undercurrents. I read about a man named George. I love this man. George was a peacemaker with a big heart and had a wonderful sense of humor. He was so tender-hearted that he cried at supermarket openings. True. True. Everyone loved George at church. He was respected at the hospital where he worked. And the reason why so many people loved George was because he was always kind and respectful to everyone he met. His children vividly remember the days that George went to the hospital before his death. The president of the hospital came to see him one day, and they had about a two-hour visit like they had been friends forever. And then later, a few minutes later, one of the janitors came and visited George, and he had another hour and a half, two-hour conversation with him. And when the janitor left, one of George's kids said, Dad, do you realize you treated the president of the hospital and the janitor of the hospital the same, just alike? And George smiled and chuckled at the remark. He said, let me ask you something, kids. If the president left this hospital for two weeks and the janitor left for two weeks, which one do you think would be missed the most? Let's think about that just a minute. Hey, everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody counts. counts. In the years that I have been here, my heart has been broken by many things. But one of the things is that there are people that just Die to want to bless the church financially. They really, really do. And you know I don't preach about this. But I have, I have little kids. I have, I have envelopes from little kids. That gave me a quarter. To Pastor Rex. I guess it said Pastor Rex. I don't know. it. I've had two cents given. In envelopes. And they don't put them in the offering. They put them in my hand. I had a little girl Sunday give me a bracelet, a little bracelet that had Jesus and the 12 disciples, and she made it. She made it. And I never wore a bracelet like that in my life, but I just preached with it in the third service, just had a good time with it. People that want to bless the church, that want to be a blessing to the church. And I've had people that wrote on things, and although I don't, I don't do the counting and I don't do the accounting of it, I've seen many envelopes that said, this is all I have. This is all I've got. Let me tell you something. If that is true, you keep doing all you can. Because I promise you, all you can is going to get bigger than what you ever thought it was. Because the Lord saw the widow with two mites and blessed her and said, she's given all she had. Now let me tell you something. Everybody matters in this church. From the president, who is Jesus Christ, to the janitor. We don't even call people janitors around here. We call them superintendents. Because everybody matters, amen? amen? Everybody matters. We need relationships with everybody in this house. George pulled his kids around his bed, and I'm almost finished. He said, Let me show you something I carry in my pocket all the time. He said, Even when I mow the yard. And George pulled out a pocket sized cross. And a marble with the golden rule on it. And George said on the, on the cross is written these words, God loves you. And the marble has these words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Amen. He said the cross reminds me how deeply God loves me. And the marble reminds me of how deeply God wants me to love others. Amen. It's all about relationships. When you become a better you, you bring your best into a relationship. You bring your best into the kingdom of God. You throw away those old haunts and those old thoughts and those old patterns of yesterday. It's a brand new day when you walk in love with Jesus Christ. I can't keep others. I cannot keep others from having undercurrents, but I can work to keep myself free of undercurrents. I try every day. This sounds like goody-two-shoes preaching, but it's really not. I try every day to search my heart and make sure that I'm being fair with everybody. I want to be fair. I've accepted the fact that not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to like you. I hope it ain't you, honey. That not everybody's going to understand me. Not going to understand you. You can't stop people from talking negatively about you or making cutting remarks, but you don't have to drink their poison. Because we're better than that. You gotta stay on the high road and keep your heart free from the poison that complicates relationship. So our relationships get better when we get better. Because when we get better, we bring more good into the relationships. Can you clap your hands and say amen to that? That's right. That's right. More honor, more respect, more appreciation, greater empathy, less criticism, more kindness, more generosity. We add value. Versus feeling valued. Don't make the mistake of focusing on trying to find someone that will make you feel valued. Focus on adding value to a relationship. You be the value adder. Not trying to find somebody to add value to you. You add value to others. Tell Tell me Bartimaeus was the same after Jesus touched his eyes. Tell me. Tell me the lame man at the pool of Bethesda was the same after Jesus said rise, take up your mat and walk. Jesus always added value. He never tried to find it from others. He gave value instead of trying to receive it from everybody. Let's be value givers. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Another key, and I'm closing, to becoming a better you is form better habits. you got to form better habits. I'm almost done. I'll tell you what, I may not preach good sometime, but I don't preach long. It may seem like three hours tonight, but it hadn't been. Everybody say, feed your good habits. habits. You heard the old Cherokee tell his grandson the principles of life. The old Cherokee said, Son, on the inside of every person is a raging battle between two wolves. One wolf is evil, it's angry, it's jealous, it's unforgiving, it's proud, it's lazy. And the other wolf is good. It's filled with love, kindness, generosity, and self control. The two wolves are constantly fighting. The little boy thought it for a while and he said, Granddad, which wolf's going to win? And the grandfather smiled and said, "Whichever one you feed, that's the one's going to win. Feed your good habits." Now I may be walking on some dangerous territory here, but I love Larry Bird. Okay, I'm sorry. He's an ugly. He's an ugly old boy, but I love it. I love his basketball. He. I love his basketball. I wrote his. I read his book called Drive. It was just a wonderful book. He was an old an old hick from hick. Uh, 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 From French Lick, and and he said if he hadn't played basketball, he'd probably be working at a filling station. He's just the kind of guy that I just, I I can root for that kind of guy. I really, really can. I can root for a guy that just picks himself up by the bootstraps and goes on. But Larry Bird made this statement. He said, I never practiced my weaknesses. He said, there's three things that I couldn't do. (laughs) I couldn't jump. No, two things. And I couldn't run. He said, white boys can't jump. And he said, and I sure couldn't jump and I couldn't run. But he said, there's some things I could do. He said, I found out I could shoot. I found out I could play position basketball. I found out I could pass the ball with the best of them. And he said, I found out that I could dribble real well also. And he said, I worked on four things and I ignored two things. Because I don't care how many weights I put on my feet and on my legs and try to jump with them. I still couldn't jump over a brick. But he said I could do some things well. What many people try to do in their life is they try to improve the things that are not good in their life. Instead of improving the things that are good in their life. And when they start doing the good things in life, the bad things disappear and you forget you even had them. And hell wants us to focus on things that we probably can never change, like your past, like a bad relationship, like going back and getting a dad to love you that didn't ever love you, like going back and getting a mom to quit beating you over the head with a house shoe because she didn't care about you. You know what I'm talking about. I've seen brutality. I've, I've seen it. I've been pastoring 46 years. I've done this a long time. I've seen people get brutalized. But I'm telling you, many people try to go back and fix things they can never fix instead of letting God give them something they can be great at in their life. <clears throat> what I'm saying is you have to form better habits in your life. There are things that everybody can do. I remember the story of a little boy who fell out of bed in the middle of the night when his mother rushed into the room and asked him what happened. He said, Mama, I don't know. I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. And I fell out. Here's what I want to tell you. When you come into the kingdom of God, you don't stay on the border. You get right slap dab in the middle of this thing and say, this is who I am. Say, hey, God, you got me. I'm here. I'm here, I'm here. It's like Hunter when he joined the army several years ago. One of the men that helped capture Saddam Hussein, Hunter joined the army and he had hair out to here. It was psychedelic. They called him psychode- psycho psychedelic head. He had hair different colors every two inches on his head, and it was way out here, a big old fro. And somebody said, Hunter, you need to go home. You're not fit for the army. And he pulled his shirt off in the barracks and he said, I am army. <laughs> I am army. And he said, you're not going to run me out. You're not going to get me out. You're not going to throw me out. I'm going to be the best. And he cussed, army man you've ever seen in your life. He went through all kinds of training and became a ranger. Oh, they shaved his head. Yeah. He had all those colors on that head. And he finally got all that washed out. But when he found Mr. Saddam Hussein in that, in that little old spider hole, he said, Mr. Who's saying you're gonna to have to come go with us? He's one of the men that held the gun on him. And I sat by an officer on the plane coming home from Washington one day, and he told me that story, and I started crying. I said, I'm gonna tell that to my church because there's a lot of people that don't think they fit in the house of God. But you need to look devil right in the eye and say, I belong here. I am church. Come on. I am church. Woo! Hallelujah! I am church. <laughs> this is what I am. I belong here. Amen. Stephen Covey wrote seven habits of highly effective people. I'm going to be very quick with them. He maintains it. It elicits a change of heart, a sense of soul at every level, every member of every organization. Here they are. Number one, be proactive. Take initiative. Be responsible. Number two, begin with the end in mind. Envision the outcome you want while maintaining your value. Number three, put first things first. Allow your values to discipline your feelings and your impulses. Number four, think win-win. Keep a no-loser attitude. I'm not going to be a loser. I'm going to win-win. Number five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Focus on listening and not talking and replying. Synergize, number six, enable more energy to be released than was put in. In other words, whatever you got, multiply it. Put your your energy on steroids and put it back out because that's what God wants. And number seven, sharpen the saw. Cultivate your physical, mental, and social, and emotional, and spiritual side and watch God use you. That's what I'm talking about, folks. We can develop brand new habits in our life. When you change habits by improving them, you literally change and improve your life. Change of habits can change your financial position. You can be a completely different position three months from now. A change of habit can put you in a better relationship. Lots going on at CLC. You need to get involved. A change of habit can change the atmosphere of your home. A change of habits can add incredible insight to your life. There's a great reading material out there. Go get some and find it. A change of habit can add years to your life and increase the quality of your life. I want you to listen to two lines in this one song. Here it is. Between who you are and who you could be. Between how it is and how it should be. Where are you going to land in your life? Where are you going to land in your life? Everybody say, I've got to develop, develop greater, relationships. greater relationships. And I've got to develop, got to develop better habits. Everybody, everybody flex. Come on, flex for me. Say, I am church. I am church. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Just, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. That sounds bad. That sounds bad. I believe that we can become a better person than we ever imagined we could be. You're not in this thing by yourself. I had some people come to me at the door tonight, said, Pastor, we need some help. I said, that's why you have this church for. We're going to help. We love you. We want you to succeed in life. We want everybody to be a success in life. And you that are success, I wish you'd walk up to people that you think you can help and say, I'm here for you. Let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go do some things. Let's make this thing work. Amen. I'm not trying to build illicit relationships. I'm trying to build relationships between people that somebody in this church cares about me and I care about somebody. Don't always look for somebody to lift you. Be a lifter and watch your life get lifted by lifting somebody else. Clap your hands. That's good stuff. Amen. I love you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com